Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting to dietitian Melissa Yip about how many carbs you should eat if you're a diabetic. Here's part one. Welcome back to The Daily Dollop podcast, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing day. I have got another guest on the show with me today. Two guests in one week. Amazing. But for those of you tuning into the podcast... For the first time, my name's Kate Freeman and I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of the Healthy Eating Hub and the Healthy Eating Clinic. And today on the show, I'm joined with my colleague, Melissa. Melissa has had a mass of experience. I wrote masses, masses of experience in my notes. She's had a mass, a lot of experience as a dietitian. She's been working with me for four years now. I'm super excited to pick your brain Welcome to the show, Melissa. It's good to be here, Kate. You're a friend of the show now. This is your second time. Am I? (laughs) Yeah, friend of the show. So look, let's just dive right into it. Type 2 diabetes and carbs. It's a contentious topic. Do you, how up to talking about it do you feel today? I could go on all day. Yeah, it's a, it's something we talk about frequently as a team here yeah. when we've been seeing clients. I mean, gosh, why is it all so confusing? I think it's because people try to simplify a pretty complex topic. Yeah. So, for example, you know, I get a lot of clients who come in and they're like, oh, I don't eat carbs. Or when I ask them, like, you know, do you know what a carbohydrate food is? They'll be like, yeah, yeah, I know all about those. And I'm like, great, name me some. And they're like, nuts. And I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) no, you don't know what a carbohydrate food is. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll be like, I cut out all these carbs. And then they tell me to eat things like corn cakes for for morning tea. Yeah. And I'm like, right. (laughs) So I think there's a bit of a, a gap of understanding of what a carbohydrate food is yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And that they seem to think that, you know, if they eat carbs, they're doing a bad thing. And if they don't eat carbs, they're doing a good thing. Mm. Mm. So it's it's almost two problems, really. There's like this black and white thinking around carbs being bad um, and trying not to eat them. But then there's also a second problem in that they're not quite sure what carbs are or what foods they're found in. Yes, yeah. yeah, and so then those two things together make for a pretty... Um, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, mm. yeah, because they're thinking they're managing their diabetes by going low-carb, but they could be not low-carb at all. Yeah. Or they're unnecessarily cutting out carbs and particular foods that they actually should be eating. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a client who once cut out, I think he cut out meat because he believed there was carb in meat. And I'm like, no. Yeah. But that was his understanding that there was carbohydrates in, in chicken or something. So he stopped eating yeah. meat. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely confusing on a number of levels. But I thought we before we get into carbs a little bit, mm-hmm. I wanted to just get your thoughts on just sort of taking a step back. We've been we've had a client diagnosed with type two diabetes. Um what's the what is the goal of of a good diabetes diet? Like what are we trying to achieve here? 
Well, ultimately for me, if a, di- if a client has type 2 diabetes, then the goal is um, blood sugar management. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people seem to think it's weight because I, I don't know, I almost get a feeling with a lot of clients that um, if they lose weight, their blood sugars automatically get better. That's mm. the kind of feeling I get from them, but it's not necessarily um, one and the same. Mm. Like I always explain that it could be two separate different things. Yeah. So ultimately I always prioritize good blood sugar management over things like weight loss per se. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So an appropriate eating pattern would be one that would allow better control of um, blood sugars. I mean, there's only so much food can do. And that's the other thing I like to explain to clients as well, that there's only, diet can only take you so far mm. before we have to start looking at other avenues like mm. um, physical activity or even um, medications or pharma pharmacological therapies. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there are some limitations as to what food can do. Yes, yeah. because type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease. Yeah, and it also kind of depends on where you are. So I mm. like to think about type 2 diabetes as a spectrum. So when you first get diagnosed, you could be sitting anywhere on the spectrum. You might not be at the start. You could be somewhere in the mm. middle. So in that case, the eating pattern that would work for you or the way we would manage your blood sugar levels at that stage would be very different compared to someone else who was recently diagnosed and is a lot lower at at the spectrum, at the start of the spectrum, Mm. where there's more leeway around what they can and can't tolerate in terms of foods. Yeah. Yeah. And is this just to do with basically the sort of metabolic disturbance as you go down the spectrum just becomes harder and harder to manage your blood sugar levels. Yeah, I think that's lots of things that come into play. Mm. Age, ethnicity, gender, um, metabolic issues. So your genes would probably play a role in that as well. Other yep. underlying health conditions, like so many things. Yeah. It's a bit hard to pinpoint. Yeah. yeah. So why is getting your blood sugar levels under control so important? Because I know your challenge with, you know, Blood sugar levels aren't something you can see. Like you don't look at someone and be like, wow, you've got high glucose levels, like terrible, right? Yeah. They're more concerned about their weight because that's the thing that feels the most obvious for them to improve. And certainly losing weight is not going to be a bad thing for them. But um, I certainly have chatted to people who are more focused on the weight loss Mm. than they are about their blood sugar level management because they don't really understand the consequences of of a high blood sugar level. Yeah. yeah. Why is it so important to ke- to manage them well? Yeah. Well, um, one of the h- risks of having high blood sugar levels, we all get high blood sugar levels. I mean, don't get me wrong. Just because you don't have diabetes doesn't mean that your blood sugars never go beyond, say, a seven. Like it, everyone's blood sugars goes up and down. Yeah. I guess the risk with diabetes is when you go for extended periods of time over what we deem the the normal range. Yeah. Um, and that sets you up for things like... Um, inflammation and oxidative damage. Mm. So it kind of almost kickstarts a a chain of um, metabolic reactions that then puts you at increased risk of other health conditions. Mm. So for example, heart disease and high blood sugar levels go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, So yes, your risk of heart disease, stroke, um, much higher. Um, And then over the long term, so we're talking about really high blood sugar levels, so uncontrolled um, diabetes for a long period of time, it starts to then affect um, your 
microvascular systems. So things like your kidneys, your eyes, so that's uh, or, or your fingertips, you know, like the extremities, so fingers mm. and toes. So this is where you start getting things that most people know and are afraid of. So things like the blindness associated with diabetes or kidney failures or chopping right. off toes and fingers. But this is, this is pretty much... Um, the worse it gets. So most people don't get there straight away. I mean, mm. they fear it when they first get diagnosed. They're like, oh my God, my foot is going to fall off. But they don't actually realize that that's not a high risk unless it's been years of uncontrolled diabetes. And yes, you, you're at a much higher risk. I think initially the things that you're at risk of are things like um, the heart disease and the stroke. Mm. And again, these are things where you're not aware of. So when your blood sugar goes up high and stays high, you don't feel it. So if you don't feel it, you kind of go, well... I don't really have to stress about it because I eat all those um, foods and I feel fine. Mm. So it is really that risk factor. So for someone who just has high sugar levels, their risk is a lot lower compared to someone else who already has, you know, what I call the trifecta. High blood lipids, so high cholesterol, um, high blood pressure, heart disease running in the family. That's just a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So you combine sort of high blood sugar levels into that mix and it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously when we're talking about blood glucose control, carbohydrates and what you eat is an important part of this. And I think, I don't know about you, but the challenge of being a qualified nutrition professional is that we're sometimes like fighting the misinformation online. Like yeah. you don't have to cut out the carbs but almost to our own detriment that we seem to be like then known as like, ah, just eat all the carbs you want, warriors. But we're not saying that either. No, I got I got <laughs> accused of being a carb pusher by another health professional. So yes. I, I took that, I was, I was pretty offended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't push carbs, but I'm realistic. Because, you know, I said to a client one day, like, if I were to ask you to eat a true keto diet, so 25 grams of carbohydrates a day or less, mm. do you think you could do that for life? And she goes, well, no. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So I'm not asking you to go extremely low. I'm just seeing eat less, eat less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that can be the frustration is that is kind of we, we like to swim – swing between extremes as humans and mm. so it's like because we don't agree that going super duper low carb or cutting out carbs is the right approach people automatically think that we're going to tell them to eat copious amounts of carbs and we're like no 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 we need to just learn to moderate them yes. as well the other thing I think which we might talk about in a second is the foods that contain carbs but we also know that when we think about whole food groups that there's a number of foods that we know are protective against type 2 diabetes and heart disease. Yes. That contain carbohydrates. Yeah, I actually thought about it prior to coming on the show. I was thinking, you know, what foods, how do I explain what foods contain carbohydrates? And literally nearly every single plant-based food has carbohydrate in it. Yeah. The kind of plant-based foods that people have, been, you know, health professionals, doctors, specialists have been spruiking for, you know, decades. Yeah. Yep. And the very same doctors are the ones who then tell their clients to cut out all the carbs. So yeah. there's almost this really weird, ironic twist in there where on one hand, they're trying to get the clients to, to eat all these fruits and vegetables and whole grains and plant-based foods. And then on the other hand, they're telling them, don't eat the carbs. And so that's actually the situation a lot of my clients are in when they come in and they're like, I don't know what to eat. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, and I'm like, so true. Yeah, and I, I would be confused too. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's the problem that nutrition probably as both a science and as a practice is we're trying to dig ourselves out of this hole of being really nutrient-based. Like we had the low-fat era. Yeah. Right, and now it's like sugar, yeah, and carbs and stuff. We're, we're all trying to take a big step back and go, hmm, let's think about the food as a whole. Yeah rather than the nutrients. So let's chat about food containing carbs. What foods contain carbs? You said all plant-based foods. Pretty much, yeah. Rattle them off to me. So it's going (laughs) to be things like grains, pulses, legumes and lentils, fruits, vegetables, milk. So it's the only non-plant-based food that contains carbohydrates because it's a complete food. It's made for baby cows, so it's got to contain everything so yeah it contains um, carbohydrates as well yeah so yeah pretty much all those foods um and you know if you think about vegetables when we think about vegetables um some vegetables have a lot higher carbohydrate content than others um so it'd be things like your starchy vegetables in particular so um you know, I think potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, root vegetables, like not, not carrots. I think a lot of people think carrots are a root. Uh, <laughs> and pumpkin. Starchy. Yeah, yeah, starchy vegetable. But I'm thinking more of the things like yams. I mean, it's not really common in a traditional Aussie diet, but the really yeah. starchy root vegetables that um, it's a, quite a traditional food. Yeah. Yep. yep. So I think one of the things um, you might be able to take from that list of um, foods that I just rattled off is that these are mostly whole food forms. Yes. Carbohydrate foods. So if you think about whole grains and pulses, they're pretty much close to their original form in nature. Yeah. Um, but you also get processed forms of these foods. And I think this is really um, uh, where clients tend to struggle because I get clients that come in feeling pretty chuffed when they say, oh, I, I ate lots of legumes and lentils this week. I'm like, great. How did you have them? And they're like, I found these really um, great lentil chips that you can get from the health food section of the supermarket. <laughs> and, you know, it's got a little hot tick on it and it says snack on the lighter side. Oh. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's have a look at um, let's have a look at this food item. And I pull up this um, website and it literally is chips made out of lentil flour. Yeah. And there is no, there is, it does not look any bit like a lentil. It's so far from a lentil. Oh. So there's a confusion there about yeah. what, what, uh, what sort of whole foods are and processed foods are. Yeah. So basically if you process if you process any of those options, so if you if you're using, say, grains and then turning that into white flour and then making food items from that white flour. So you know, I can rattle off the top of my head biscuits and um, crackers and pancakes or pastries, you know. Yeah. And that's a carbohydrate food. But I think that's the thing that people think of first when you say carbohydrate foods yep. rather than the whole food form. So the original form of that food in nature, mm. like, you know, a bowl of quinoa or yeah. <laughs> steel cut oats or yeah. rolled oats or that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that and that makes all the difference. It does. Like that's the key. So rather than I think hopefully the message that comes from these two sessions with you is actually it's not about the carbs really. Mm. I think first we want to be at getting them from the right sources, like where are we building our diet from? Yep. I think once you get that right, like and you're understanding the carb sources, I don't know how you feel about this, but then it would be like now we want to look at some portions. Yeah. 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 And, and how much carbs we yeah. should be eating. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Tune in for part two tomorrow. 
After years of being bombarded with diet culture, I so understand that the world of healthy eating is super, super hard. My healthy eating program helps people who are struggling with their eating habits to lose weight, feel good about themselves and eat well for the rest of their life. I do this by teaching one nutrition principle at a time and showing you how to establish this knowledge as a habit in your everyday life. This is unlike any other program on the market today that simply gives you a meal plan, a list of good and bad foods, or expects you to change everything all at once. Life's too short to live with food stress. To become a habit builder and not a crash dieter, join my program today at healthyeatinghub.com.au. Thank you so much for checking out The Daily Dollop. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so that we can spread the podcast far and wide and so you don't miss an episode.